Hey everybody, we recently had the privilege of having Mike Cation on the Courtside with Beelins and Tennis segment. And due to a technical glitch on my part, when we wanted to release this in an audio format, uh, along with being on the normal Facebook Live format, um, the recording didn't go into effect until about a minute and a half into our conversation. That said, I still wanted to release this in an audio uh, format only uh, in this form just because Mike so, so good to talk to and had um, spoken a variety of topics uh, regarding the tennis world. So hope you enjoy our conversation. And again, it will go, it'll start at about a minute and a half into our conversation. Thank you. Breeze out. Um, and I, I thought it was kind of a unique way to do it just over coffee um, as opposed to doing it at the tennis courts where you feel like you have to say all the PR things, um, you know, it's a great match and blah, 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 um, where you can actually just feel a little bit of freedom. We're not surrounded by tennis players or right. tennis officials. You can just be yourself. We can talk about some bigger, more global um, aspects of the sport in terms of some of the issues. Um, and so I had Noah on as a guest uh, last April, so April of 2018. Uh, it was a, Unfortunately, I... I did something technically, and David, I'm sure you've probably done it once or twice yourself, where you do something that screws up the recording. So we only got like 12 minutes of a 50-minute podcast. Um, but we both kind of just had an understanding of this idea of we want to try to make sure that everybody has a good understanding uh, of, of life for people outside of the top 30 top 40 on both sides, men's and women's. Um, and I know that that was something that resonated with me. Um, obviously, it resonated quite a bit with Noah. Um, and he and I would talk every once in a while um, when we were at the same tournaments just about some of those issues. And then he even uh, spoke with me back in January right before he launched Behind the Racket to kind of give me an idea of his, his, um, his plan going forward with this Behind the Racket project. Um, and so then when we met up in Little Rock uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, we, we've been talking uh, quite a bit just about behind the racket, about the, the media landscape in terms of exploring it, um, and, and he said he wanted to do a podcast, um, and I said, you know, if, if, if it works well for us to work together, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be happy to continue, you know, doing the coffee cast and expanding it um, to, to feature more behind the racket stuff, um, and so he kind of agreed to that, uh, because I think he, bless his heart here, and I'm going to sound old when I say that, but um, he wanted to make sure that, frankly, that I, I, I benefit from this in some way, too. Um, that's the kind of guy that Noah is. He could do a podcast on his own. Right. Um, but he said, I, I want to do a podcast with you um, because I know this is a, a common goal for you as well. I wanted you to keep your name on it so that you get some of the, the notoriety and, you know, we can continue working towards these common goals. You've got the technical aspect. He's got the name recognition that maybe is, is something that a, an old non-tennis player like myself uh, can't get. So ultimately, um, it's mostly from his behind the racket stuff that we're able to, to take this to a different level. Um, but, yeah, we, we both just have a, a real... Um, common desire to make the sport better for its competitors, um, and and I think that's that is one shared idea for the both of us um, that, that we're both really passionate about, even if we might disagree about some of the ideas of how to do it. Right, 
No, that. Thank you for sharing that. And and, and you mentioned technical errors. Um, you know, I told you before we're going to try to also, if if it sounds good, make this into an audio only podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And I forgot to hit the record button when we started. So if it still sounds good, we'll just go in about thirty five seconds late. So yeah, yeah. This this is what happens when it's live. It's all good. This is what makes it fun. Um, so I mean, what I really appreciate about what Noah and yourself are discussing is. You know, no topic is off limits, and you talked last week quite extensively about the mental health aspect. I know that, you know, it's close home, close home with you personally, but obviously you see it up close with with the players that you cover, and and you've seen some of the passages that Noah has um, with the players that he's uh, taken the, the photograph of with his Behind the Racket project. I think it's so great that you don't censor those topics because for this to really be effective, it has to be real. You have to see what is really happening with these players at this level. And honestly, if you if you did censor it, I don't think it would be as effective. You agree? Completely. Um, mental health is continues to be uh, one of those topics that is uh, makes people cringe. Um, it is it's hard for me to talk about and it's something that I've, I I talk about extensively. Um, and so I I know that for a lot of people, people, you know, especially on the men's side specifically, and I made this point in our podcast this past week, um, it, it is very hard for young male athletes specifically to talk about their feelings openly. Um, there is a stigma in a general population. There's even more of a stigma about it within the men's locker room. Um, and I'm sure it's probably the same on the women's side as well, but I think it's a little bit more side on the men, uh, more so on the men's side. Um, I, I can tell you, and I think I mentioned this as, as well on our podcast this week, I've had multiple times over the years where players will come seek me out personally to ask some questions or just maybe they need someone to talk to who's not uh, somebody they play against or not a coach. Um, because of the fact that they don't really have somebody on um, on a regular basis who they're able to just like talk with, like it's a human being and ex- you know express their emotions. Um, so yes, you have to be able to, uh, especially when when you have people who are relatively comfortable talking about it. And the the way to make it more safe for others is to continue to talk about it and make it a more common thing. Um, so I, I think that is you know, we, we, last week for us was it just scratching the surface yep. um, there, there is a lot to be discussed in terms of the mental health and, and being alone and um, you know successes on the court and off the court and failures on the court and off the court and how you deal with those types of things without someone to talk to on a regular basis who might be able to give you good mental health advice um, it's a really difficult thing to, to talk about for these athletes, and, and I commend the ones who have been able to be brave enough and comfortable enough to do so. Mike, it's so, so true. And, you know, Noah, I will say this, Noah's living through it as a player, but tennis is a weird sport in that your peers are also your competitors. So I could totally see why people would go to you because at the end of the day, you're not competing with them. It's got to be hard enough just to talk about it with anybody, let alone you think it's a peer, but yet at the end of the day, they're also your competitor. And while Noah's going through it as a player, 
you're also going on tour. You're living and, and, and breathing and seeing and dying and, and doing all the above with these players, and you see the struggles. I mean, these and, – and look, the people in the top 20, 30, they have teams around them to help them, and they travel with people. They have their support. And even people in that, in, in that level have issues. We all know about Marty Fish. So imagine people in the lower levels who don't get to travel with anyone, and it's just brutal, and they have no one to talk to. And I mean, you you see it up close and personal. Yeah, um, I've talked about this, you know, jokingly in in the past, but um, you know, I I know when people have just broken up with their girlfriends, right? Um, and I that that's kind of a laughing throwaway line, but those type of things have real lasting impacts on you, right? If you've, you've broken up with a, a partner in any way, shape, or form uh, in your past, and all of us have, you know that that's not something that just goes away. Right. Uh, I mean, there, there are feelings, there are emotions that are attached to that. So, I, you know, when, when these players might have just broken up with a girlfriend, they might have somebody at home who has a health issue. Um, they might just be, frankly, just questioning what they're doing with their life. Um, and, and again, like you said, the, I get to see it. I, I, I see it up close and personal. I can tell when these guys are, are struggling with something off the court. Um, and, and I do. And maybe it crosses a line in terms of that media role that I'm supposed to have. But listen, at the, at the challenger level especially, when you don't have the money to, to fly your friends out um, to join you for a little bit or fly your family out to join you for a little bit, if, if I have the capacity in some small way to be um, a benefit to these players, be it just somebody to, you know, just talk to right after a match about, you know, what, what I was thinking of their match or, you know, I've multiple times where I've gone out and just had a couple of drinks with a player um, just, just to kind of blow off steam and talk about something unrelated to tennis right. entirely. If, if I can offer that small benefit, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. Um, on, on top of it, listen, I, I want these players um, to feel comfortable with me as a commentator. No, I'm working as hard as I can to get my job right, just as they are. Um, so I think it, it, you know, on the on the professional side of it, it develops a trust and understanding between the two of us that we're both working to get better at our crafts um, and that we both have a mutual respect for it. So those on that side, it's it's great for me to, to go out and have a drink with, with the player every once in a while. But then on the personal side as well, just the ability to say, hey, if you need somebody to talk to, I'm, I'm here. Mike, it is so great what you're doing. And I know the players are so, so glad that, that you're there with them pretty much week in and week out. So uh... Most of them, David. Most of them. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> there are always going to be some who don't. I know, but that's, for, that's we're, you know, for the most well. of them, it, it, it's a good thing that you're there. So keep doing well, what thanks. you're doing. Um, you know, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but Noah recently, you know, across the social media platforms, have um, suggested certain areas for improvement. Um, I'm just trying to look at a uh, comment that that came in. It's hard to read, but I'll address yeah. it when we're off okay. the air. Um, you know, Noah had a variety of areas that he was talking about maybe improving the sport. And I know this is probably a loaded question for you, and we could talk about it for an hour, and we're not going to do that on, on this type of uh, venue. But what do you want to see improved? Obviously, there's the prize money. I mean, you, look, if you're top 100 in any other profession, and, uh, I mean, you're, you're making a living. It's not an issue. And, you know, it, it, there are challenges with our sport, obviously. What, with your, with your collaboration with Noah, 
Where do you see the sport going? What would you like to see the sport do going forward to helping these types of players? Yeah, as you said, it's a it's a really broad question. Um, the the number one thing, and as you mentioned, it has to be the prize money to me. Right. Um, I'm I'm really on board. Um, it's, this this podcast has really caused me to think over the last few weeks quite a bit. I kind of get myopic with just looking at match to match uh, within a broadcast. Um, but in, in terms of the global aspect, I think number one, we have to have some level of guarantee guaranteed money for these players. Um, I don't know how best I, how I feel would be best to do that, um, but something along the lines of if you are top fifty at a year in calendar year, you get, I don't know, let's just say $200,000 guaranteed that, you know, so you're set, um, 50 to a hundred is $150,000, whatever, you know, we decide that that exact amount might be, um, just so that there is guaranteed money. And that trickles down even to say top 400, um, so that you're guaranteed say $20,000 or some, some, right. some amount of money. I don't know what that might be. Um, but then you just have less pressure to um, immediately rush back into playing if you are slightly injured. You can maybe schedule just a little bit better so that you are, again, not playing while injured, not putting yourself onto terrible services that don't really do anything for you. Just all these little things that, that go along with just guaranteed income. Um, I know there's been a lot of discussion about Mackenzie McDonald. Now he's potentially out for both Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. So that's uh, $100,000 that he's, you know, that's that's gone from him right. or for him. And, and on top of it, all the rankings points that he's going to be missing out on for the next three months, whatever, whatever I don't know the, the length of his injury, um, the recovery, but that's all these points that are going to be gone as well. And yes, he'll have a protected ranking if he's out for a certain period of time, but the guarantee of, of having some kind of financial, um, just, yeah, a guarantee involved there, I, that is the number one thing that we could institute calendar year 2020 yep. that, would, that would just go a long, long way. So I think there has to be a good examination of how we distribute that money, especially at the slams. Um, I, I think the other thing that's really been bothering me, um, I, I worked this week, um, I just moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I was at the Futures event here, the Tulsa Pro Championships, just kind of helping out a little bit with their social media. It was a nice way for me to um, get to know some people in Tulsa where I don't know anybody. At the same time, getting to know a lot of these younger players um, before they make their appearances at the challenger level. Um, and... and there's so much going on with so many different entities within the sport as well. It is a complexity that we just don't need. Um, the fact that I have to go to multiple different sites to look up information on just basic live scores, um, that there's, you know, ATP and challengers and then ITFs are over here and, you know, the WTA scores are over there. And I, it's just mind boggling that we don't have the ability to just refocus into one single entity. Yep. Um, I, I understand there's, you know, there's the complexity of the ATP and WTA relationship is beyond something that I can even comprehend. Um, <laughs> and so I, maybe that is not one where we, join i don't know i wouldn't be opposed to it myself but yeah there's so many different entities that are involved who's going to be taking care of whom um it's hard 
for anyone to have a good uh, understanding, like how do you form a union? You know, against whom? Um, That needs to be focused. That needs to be cut down so that there is one direct ATP. That's it. WTA. That's it. Um, And and just get that focus so we're we're not having to make it so complex. Um, Simplicity is really important for me, and I I think that's one where we're really missing out. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would agree with you. I I was able to read the question from one of the viewers that said, what do you think is the most challenging thing on the Challenger Tour besides money? I mean, we talked a lot about the mental health aspect. Again, these people are alone. Um, would that be would that be at the top of your list? Uh, sure. Um, I I, I want to do say I, I just think it's need we need to say that they you know with all the ITF ATP uh, how that went down with the rankings changes right. all that what got lost in that is that for the first time this year all of the challengers are required to provide housing, which is a huge huge step forward for the players. Um, I mean, I, I can't understate how big of, of an advantage that is. Now we have um, two physios, trainers that are on site, um, making sure that there's adequate um, workout facilities on site. I think some of those little changes went a, a long way. I think they unfortunately just got lost in what happened with the, the ranking system. That was such a, a just a disaster right. of how that went down. But yeah, there were some, some things that really happened that I think made life a lot easier. Um, I, but I think in, in terms of what I think is the biggest challenge um, at the Challenger Tour, there, there's two that I think of. One, um, one is a physical one um, in, in that I don't think players necessarily know what to expect week to week. Um, I, I think it's actually pretty good here in the states i think i think the usda does a good job of of kind of having continuity the same challenger supervisors from week to week so players do know what to expect on a weekly basis um but i I think that not isn't necessarily true internationally in terms of you know knowing what you're going to expect at at a challenger just that it's all the same worldwide um, I've had some of those discussions with fans from around the globe, just like weather, how, how weather's handled here versus how weather's handled there. And I I don't know that there's necessarily an answer to that one, but I, I uh, what the hotels are going to be like, the the inconsistency, I think, internationally is, is one of the biggest challenges um, that we don't necessarily think of. Um, and, and then number two, um, the, the second biggest challenge, I think, is more of a, I don't know, a spiritual, mental one. Um, is just complacency. Um, I think there, it's, it is frankly quite hard for some players just kind of got, get lost in the, I'm a challenger level player. Um, this is where I belong, um, you know, and I, I need to get to this challenger and this challenger and then be seated in this challenger and not necessarily thinking about what's, what's that next level. Um, you know, the idea of getting out of the challengers for good, um, and if you think about it that way, you get kind of lost in the, oh, God, i got to get out of challengers. Um, but I, I think there's just a complacency often from, from players just saying, uh, you know, I'm a challenger-level player. Let's let's make sure, though, that I'm top 100 so I can get into some slams. And um, not necessarily that idea of I want to be top 50. I want to be top 50. If you've been there for two or three years, you just kind of get stuck in this, I'm you know, maybe I am a challenger player. Um, and that is a really difficult thing for a lot of players to overcome. Um, some are able to do it, some are not. 
Like you, you look at Kenneth Sandgren, he's one of the few guys over the last couple of years who's been able to do it at a later stage right. in his career. And, and later, by later, I mean 26, 27. Um, but that, that doesn't happen too often where you kind of crack that, that you know, top 50 barrier, top 60 barrier um, at 27. So that's, that's a, um, I think that kind of goes to show it's hard to do. Um, just get over that mental hurdle of being a challenger player. Uh, it's reinforced. On, on media, on social media, that you're a challenger player, and it's hard to overcome. Yeah, uh, Mike, I, I appreciate this. This is all a, such a great conversation. You give such great insight on, on what we talked about tonight. Um, yeah, no worries. I appreciate it. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I, I will say this. I know um, when NECA is the next tournament, you know I'm, yeah. from, I'm from Chicago, so I'm going to be there. And I know you're always uh, you're, you have very long days when when you do these tournaments, and I know you're always uh, looking for someone to run and get you some Starbucks. So count on me, count on me as your Starbucks guy. I appreciate that. Um, you know, actually, one thing that Noah's been uh, kind of <laughs> for better or for worse, he's been harping on me is to stop drinking the second latte in the afternoon. <laughs> um, Mike's gotten a little chunky over here. Uh, part, part of that is just uh, in the process of moving. I haven't been able to work out as, as much, but yeah, I'm, I appreciate that, David, and I, I might take you up on that because Winnetka specifically, those are some long, long hours there with two matches after 6.30, I think, starting at 10, and yeah. then two matches after 6.30. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those, are, those are long days, <laughs> uh, but I, I, am, I am working really hard to kind of work off these, these 10 pounds I put, off, uh, put on in the last couple of months while moving and not being settled in a location. Hey, whatever, um, whatever you need. It doesn't, doesn't have to be Starbucks. Whatever you need, just text yeah. me. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it done for you. Can I get just do a quick plug? If you do, you, if do you mind? Not at all. Um, so the, today, our, in Tulsa, uh, like I said, I was I was really excited to just work the Tulsa Pro Championships. Uh, today was. Um, it was Maxime Cressy's day. Uh, he was he was really good today. Three and one. They moved the final indoors. Um, snapped a nine match winning streak from Sam Riffis. Um, I did a I did an interview with Maxime uh, right afterwards. You can find it at Tulsa Futures Watch or on it. my nine um, minute interview. Very well done. Very well. Thanks. Done. Thank you. But yeah, it was so I, I was able to just kind of talk to him for a couple minutes. He is an interesting character. Um, it was the first time I got to talk to him for an extended period of time, and he really expects some big things. And he was campaigning for a wild card to Newport, which I don't uh, I don't mind him doing whatsoever. Uh, the other thing, I, Sam Riffis is really good. Um, I, I, this was the first time I'd gotten to see him on an extended level, and I I am really impressed with his composure. Um, I, I he's got a chance to be pretty. I, I don't like to put like, oh, this guy's top whatever. Um, I don't like to think about that because so much can happen. He's really impressive in terms of just the mental side, how he approaches things, his composure off the court, composure on the court. Yeah, he really beat impressed uh, with it, and he beat JJ Wolf in the NCAAs, and we all know how good JJ is. So yeah, no, I, and that's the thing. It's so it, David. you know, people always say stuff about seeds uh, when it comes to challengers and NCAA tournaments. I don't ever put too much stock into seeds, right. um, just because of the level at the challenger. I mean, it, it's so close. Um, one fifty, the separation from one fifty to two twenty five is not that much. Oh, we um, can talk about that so, forever. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So close. David Leip chimed in. Maxime Edwardsville semifinalist two thousand eighteen. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You think about what he's done in the last year. Unbelievable. Like essentially coming for out of, uh, you know, he wasn't on anybody's radar at the next level. And then suddenly, you know, not only this future's title, but a challenger in Cleveland this year, a yep. future's title in Tallahassee late last year, and really just seemed to come out of nowhere. It's a very impressive story. Mike, thanks. This was longer than than, than I thought it, it would be, and and so appreciative uh, appreciative of your time. And again, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so well, much. Thanks. thanks, David. And yeah, commentators tend to talk. That's that. That is what happens. Oh, it's all good. I enjoyed this. I just didn't want to take up too much of your time. Thanks, Mike. All good. Yeah, no worries, David. Take good care. Night. That was great. Thank you for for Mike for chiming in. We'll just do a real quick hitters. This was such a good. Um, feel-good day of tennis. I mean, you got Roger winning again. I mean, Roger's 38 years old. I, I said on Twitter this morning, I mean, it, you, you don't even think of his age just because he moves so well. It's unbelievable. He didn't look fatigued at all from the clays. He looks fresh. I mean, and, and Wimbledon's right around the corner, and he's got as good a shot as anybody, obviously, to win that. Um, in, in London, Felix, young Felix had an unbelievable week. He beat Grigor Dimitrov, he beat Nick Kyrgios, he beat Stefano Tsitsipas. He lost to the champion yesterday, Feliciano Lopez. Have yourself a week, Feliciano Lopez. Um, wins the singles, and he wins the doubles with Andy Murray. So great to have Andy Murray back on the court. Um, what a week for Feliciano Lopez. Going back to London, you know, Nick Kyrgios, he was doing his thing, his behavior stuff again. I think a lot of this now is just him. It's it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. He feels like he has to act a certain way on a court, and I, I just don't know. But hopefully, I mean, again, the, the talent is there, and hopefully he'll, uh, he'll get it straightened out. We all hope he does. Um, the Wimbledon Qualies start this week. We talked a lot about Mike Cation and Noah Rubin, their project. Speaking of Noah, Noah plays Michael Moe. First round of qualities. That's going to be an interesting match. Two young Americans. Congratulations, Ash Barty. New number one player in the world. Sophia Kennan won a title today. Like I said, today was just one of those feel-good days. It was awesome. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I'll post it after. Uh, I'll put it on my website as well, beelinsontennis.com. I screwed up with the with um, technology at first. We I hit the record button a little bit late, but as long as it sounds okay, I'm going to have this on iTunes and Google Play within the week. So thank you for everyone joining in and, and sending in comments. It, it, it's fun when you guys do that. Thanks, and have a great week.